Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single Monday. And hosted by us. It's our anniversary. Woohoo! Guys, it's been two years of The Limit Does Not Exist. I cannot believe it, Christina. It's also Pie Week. Woo! <laughs> so you know we've got something special coming at you for that. But in honor of our two-year anniversary, in this very special CNC episode, we are recapping some of our favorite insights, aha moments, and recommendations from the last, oh, 87 episodes. Mm-hmm. We also have show fave Emily Wapnick back on for a special segment with books, tools, and game-changing hacks for newly minted or even expert human Venn diagrams. There is so much great stuff in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, what are we waiting for? I don't know. It's time to celebrate two years with some pie. E is optional. <laughs> I'll take both kinds, please. There we uh, go. <laughs> let's jump in, shall we? Let's do it. Hey, Christina. Hi, Kate. 
Happy, happy Pi Week. <laughs> happy Pi Week and happy anniversary. <gasps> You're right. Oh my goodness. Happy two years of The Limit Does Not Exist. Oh my gosh. Two years. I know. What? Can you believe it? I can't. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of been insane. I got to be honest. I mean, we're on like episode 88. Who saw that coming? I know. It's incredible. I still remember, you know, when we woke up at the crack of dawn in Austin during South by Southwest two years ago. You were covered in tattoos. Temporary. I had a tattoo. But yeah. Was it just one? I feel like there were multiple. It was that gold wristwatch tattoo. It really... Yeah, it really, you know, had the impact of many tattoos. (laughs) Yeah, so you are right. Two years ago, this week, we recorded our very first episode. It didn't release for another month, but that's that's fine. Uh, (laughs) And now, two years later, uh, we've got some learnings that we can't can't wait to kind of recap and share some of our favorite aha moments, some of our kind of takeaways from our guests. Um, favorite kind of insights and book recommendations, all of the above are on the table. We've got a lot to go through. We have a lot to go through. And of course, we'll just be scratching the surface because we could be here for two more years sharing all of the insights of the show. You know, they always say in dating, or at least I was always told this, that after two years is kind of when like the guild is off the lily and, you know, (laughs) the magic fades. I have to say quite the opposite with human Venn diagrams in our show. I fall more in love with our guests and just this community mm-hmm. uh, of human Venn diagrams every day. And uh, I'm very excited to dive into our findings. Oh, totally. And, you know, in celebration of Pi Week, I was trying to think, like, how, how can we do this, right? And really kind of celebrate the week well. Last year for Pi Week, we had Dr. Eugenia Chang on the show talking about literally pie she was a baker as well as a a pianist and mathematician and i was like we we don't have pie to eat together this week so you know (laughs) i i did some googling of like how to celebrate pie week and one of the suggestions was to write pie coups which are like haikus except instead of a 575 stanza format we do a 314 Get it? 3.14. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. So I wanted, you know, we've talked about having a poetry, you know, a, a poetry off, you know, uh, a poetry slam on the show. And we, we haven't gotten around to it. So, Kate, I would like to challenge you to a mm. haiku poetry slam on this episode. I am very excited. Now, I do want to point out that this is not the first time we have written some version of a haiku way back in episode 16, fresh off of episode 15, which was Govern in Poetry mm-hmm. with Emily Barnes. Uh, you and I took a stab. <laughs> was it any writing, good? You know what? You guys are going to have to go back and listen and, and let us know. <laughs> I clearly have blocked this out of my memory, so I'm going to go with no. <laughs> well, let's redeem whatever we did back then. Christina, yeah. since you challenged, you jump <laughs> in. <laughs> Check okay, it off. So, so here's the challenge. By the time this episode comes out for Pi Week, I am in Europe, which, as you might know, does not write the date, you know, March 14th. They don't write 314. They write 143, which is uh. not Pi Day. 
Now, in Europe, they celebrate Pi Day on July 22nd because 22 sevenths is the closest approximation to Pi in, you know, fraction form. But I'm going to be in the United States on July 22nd. So my haikus or my pikus uh, are, are talking about this angst that I have <laughs> for for being in Iceland on uh on Pi Day. So here we by, go. <clears throat> oh, by the way, just to yeah. um, sidebar, I think that the plural of haiku is haiku, just like oh. Lego, just like we learned with Adam Ward in 27, everything is super awesome that Legos yeah. are actually Lego. Oh, anyway, that's now. just, okay. Okay. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Here's my haiku in four stanzas. <clears throat> Traveling. Oh, I miss my bed. It's Pi Day, but not in Europe. Aww. Rebellion. I will eat some pie. Nerds unite and celebrate math. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. I will pass and say that rebellion, we can count as three syllables. Like the yun is one syllable. Yeah, rebellion. <laughs> it is. It is three syllables. Okay? Rebellion. Yes, I'm into it. It is. Very nice, Christina. I was moved. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad. Okay, Kate, over to you. Your turn. Okay, great. Mine are really four totally separate haiku. So okay. I will just read them as such. Okay. Here's my first one. Christina and Kate make a great team. Oh, that's our uh, my little love letter to you on our two year anniversary, Christina. <laughs> okay. OK, number two, human vens will rule the future. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. You approximated human vens. Okay. <laughs> I did. I had to take some um, poetic liberties. Yep. OK, Here's a, a takeaway that I have uh, gotten from our show. Left brain or right, it is a myth. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, bring it home. Uh, my last one is a shameless personal plug. Have you seen Math Brain? It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, longtime listeners will remember that this time last year I was uh, exhaustingly putting out Math Brain. Uh, on Pi Day, uh, which is my parody of an infomercial uh, that empowers women in math. And, and uh, comes with some shoulder pads and a lot of hairspray. A whole lot of both, yes. Don't worry, we'll be retweeting out that, uh, <laughs> that wonderful video on Pi Day proper. You will, you will enjoy it. Yes, yes, please. Let's all smash all kinds of things, shall we? <laughs> uh, fantastic. Now, coming up next, you may remember from uh, episode 83, The Power of Tribes, our last CNC episode, we tried out something new. We brought on uh, famed guest Emily Wapnick to come and talk a little bit about uh, the Putty Tribe. We called it, I think we called it Putty Corner, Putty Spot. I'm not sure. We still have to work on that branding. Um, but <laughs> it was a raving success. You wrote us and tweeted us uh, how much you enjoyed that new segment. And so we have brought her back. After the jump, we are going to bring on Emily Wapnick. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. 
It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Emily. Hi. Emily, it is such a delight to have you. It's really just so wonderful to not only hear your voice, but to get to hear some of, as we we know and can't wait to share, the numerous insights of the Putty mm-hmm. Tribe. Well, you know, I love being here. Love you guys. And uh, <laughs> always love to kind of share the the putty wisdom when I can, because, you know, the, the community is, uh, they're all so smart and, uh, and creative and resourceful. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. so if we were thinking about what have we learned over the last two years of doing this podcast and what are the, the books and the resources and the tools that we have just loved hearing as recommendations from our guests, obviously how to be everything was, uh, was up there as one of our favorite books. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to throw it to the putty tribe and ask them, what are some of the books and tools and recommendations they would offer to <laughs> sort of burgeoning multi-potentialites or, or brand new human Venn diagrams who are trying to figure out how do I make this interdisciplinary life work what would they recommend to someone just starting out? And so we asked you to put this out to them and they have come back with just reams of recommendations. <laughs> so, you know, in our, our second recurring, uh, uh, you know, instance of the putty spot with Emily Wapnick, um, we wanted to ask, what have we learned? What, what did they say? Yeah. So I asked everyone to tell me their five best, you know, hacks, books, resources, etc. And um, I got a nice long list. People people gave well over five. Um, <laughs> but that's great. Um, so I'll, I'll just go over a few of the ones that came up again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so bullet journaling. Yes, which I have been dying to try. Me too. I like I, I don't know much about it, but I kept seeing it come up again and again in this thread. And so I started looking into it some more and I feel like it might be a good fit for me. Interesting. Yeah. What makes a bullet journal different from just like a normal notebook? So when I have Googled bullet journal, I have seen so many different images and kinds of journals that have been labeled as a bullet journal. But the one that I continue to see and bullet journal listeners, please tell me if I'm way off here, please tweet at us, (laughs) is it almost looks like there's lots of little like dots on the page. Oh, like sort of 
Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Almost like graph paper, but if you just had a dot where the edges of the squares were. Okay. Wrap your head around that. And so it's this really kind of um, malleable, open, formatted tool that people use for all kinds of things. I've seen journals with just to-do lists in there or just goals, or people will create like their own um, calendars, you know, that are open dated uh, within them. So it really kind of seems like the possibilities are endless from what I've seen. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm Googling while you talk to me. The images are amazing of how people set up their bullet journals. And I just, I love this tagline, bullet journal lives at the intersection, already sold, between (laughs) mindfulness and productivity. Okay, (laughs) I'm going to check this out. I'm always for a good uh, new notebook situation. Yes. Yeah. So another one that came up a few times that I personally use and I've used for years is just the timer. Yes. Yes. Like so Pomodoro situation. Yeah. So like either a Pomodoro situation or like, I don't know, for me, if I'm feeling really stuck and like, I just can't get started on a project and I just like really don't want to do it. Sometimes I'll just set a timer for five minutes and I'll just try and go nuts for five minutes And then I'm like, okay, at the end of the five minutes, if I don't feel like working, I can do something else. I don't have to keep going. But usually by the time those five minutes are up, I'm like in the zone. I'm like, good, you know, and I can just keep going. I like So powerful. Christina, I think for listeners who haven't heard you talk about the Pomodoro situation, we might need a little clarification there. No. So this is one of my favorite new things because I, I am a terrible like multitasker in the middle of multitasking. And, you know, it's like you open the parentheses like seven layers deep and you never close any of them. Um, That's like a coding reference. Um, (laughs) And so I like the the Pomodoro uh, setup basically is you set a timer for 25 minutes. And then at the end of that 25 minutes, you take a five minute break. And so you, you, end up working on these sprints that are long enough to focus, but not so long that like if you close your email account and you log off of all of your social media things and you put your phone away, like you, no one expects you to respond to anything in 25 minutes. So you can focus and just say, this is what I'm going to do for right now. And whatever is coming up right now, it can wait 25 minutes. And, and because you're working on these sprints and you're promised this little like break at the end, it just, it, for me, it makes, you know, kind of to your point, Emily, of like getting started. For me, it's like those big tasks. You're like, ah, I have to write a chapter of a book that's going to be 8,000 words. And you're like, okay, but can you write for 25 minutes? <laughs> yes, yes. So, so powerful. And uh, something that I have continued to employ as well, because I think once you start often, you can get in a groove. And if you can't, well, at least you've made a little bit of a progress. Exactly. And then you can switch and you don't have to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. wonderful. Okay. okay, number three. So Vanessa brought this one up, and it's co-working. And ah. she was, I think she was talking about it like in the physical sense, like going to like a co-working place and working alongside other people. But I've actually done online co-working with my friends before, and I find it super helpful. So you just How like do, you do that. Yeah, you just get on like like a Google Hangout or or I guess like a Skype call. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you you know, say hi. And sometimes we'll talk about what we're going to work on. And then you minimize your window or you just make it small, put it in the corner so you can, like, see the other person working. You know that they're working. And then you just, like, do your thing. (gasps) 
This is blowing my freelancer <laughs> I've mind. I've literally yeah. never heard of this. Wouldn't you, aren't you worried that like you're making faces at the computer? <laughs> no, no, this is fantastic. I am so into this because I have been a part of co-working spaces. I have had different gigs where I just go into an office, you know, like a couple of days a week. I think this is revelatory. It feels like there's like the perfect balance between totally slothing out in your pajamas and being social. Like, this is Wait, amazing. so what are the rules about talking during co-working? Do you, like, raise your hand and say, hey, I want to <laughs> chat about The Bachelor for five minutes? Or do you, like, is it just heads down until your Pomodoro timer rings? I mean, I think it kind of depends on what kind of relationship you have with the other, with your co-workers. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you, so usually we'll turn off our microphones because like oh bless I talk to myself while I work yeah right like coughing (laughs) and blowing your nose and stuff (laughs) um and yeah I mean you can you can do you can mix this with the pomodoro technique if you want (laughs) be like all right one two three let's do pomodoro (laughs) (laughs) it just kind of depends like sometimes someone will start talking but usually it's like something related to work or maybe they have a question or I've done this like with my mastermind group before so usually if someone jumps in it's like they have a work related question but we're Mm. usually pretty good about just like working (laughs) I think just to have that sort of quiet accountability and to know that you are not the only person in the world is (laughs) is very powerful wait so you don't plan on working that day and then end up cleaning your entire apartment so that you can avoid writing that chapter I don't I don't know why anyone would do that (laughs) are you being sarcastic Christina yeah a little bit yeah a little bit Kate (laughs) okay bullet journal timer co-working hit us up what's number four Okay. Um, so several people mentioned books. Yeah. Um, a, there were a long list of books. Um, but, you know, I speci- we, we specifically told them not to mention my book, you know, and not to mention the Putty Tribe. It was like, other than those things, what are your best tips? Because <laughs> well, those are the um, obvious ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, but a few people mentioned Barbara Sher's book, Refuse to Choose. Yes. Um, which is a fantastic book. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of the, maybe like the foundational book on this topic on multipotentialites or scanners, as she mm-hmm. calls us, mm-hmm. came out in 2006. And it's just a great read. Um, she's got some good productivity tips in there, stuff about, um, I think she has a technique, I forget what it's called, but it's like you have a binder for each of your projects or each of your passions. And um, she's got, yeah, she's got some fun like organizational stuff in that book. I love yeah. some good school supplies. Yeah, I was I was really uh, amazed and inspired to see how much that book popped up on the list because that's mm-hmm. one that I've never read and I've always wanted to. So that's the extra inspiration boost I needed. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Emily. Now, of course, you know, I, I would understand if you refused to choose a fifth to mention to us because there were, <laughs> it was bad guys. I'm so sorry. Um, because there were so many. And in fact, people were getting really creative with the list and even just thinking about larger life categories, like mm-hmm. connecting and celebrating. Mm-hmm. What would be a fifth one that you, you would want to mention? Um, geez, there are so many. <laughs> um, <laughs> the fifth yeah. of many. I think you're talking about Mercedes's post. Um, she yes, 
Yeah, she was t- saying she kind of takes like a minimalist approach to planning her day. Uh-huh. And she really likes to think about kind of these bigger themes and why she's doing things. So I, I really liked what she was saying about how, you know, she likes to have some form of movement in her day. And mm-hmm. she likes to have some form of creative expression and some form of learning. And she just kind of like went through these different categories that she of things that she likes to have in her day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, this isn't a specific tip per se but i think it's something to think about as you're moving through through your day and organizing things well what i got from it was the hack of deciding how you would like to design your day mm-hmm. is a hack in and of itself right mm-hmm. like I, I think it's also something that really applies to budget you know that it, it is totally within the realm of possibility to get creative with the categories in your budget and the names of savings and checking accounts you know mm-hmm. just like mercedes did with her day to say okay i'm going to feel successful if at some point today i have movement if it's some point today I connect with somebody. And what I loved about that is it was setting a different system of metrics, as we've talked about in the show, Christina, mm-hmm. of, you know, how you plan and reflect on your day as a human Venn diagram or multi-potentialite. That's such a good point, because mm-hmm. she she's setting her, as you say, like defining her success, not by did I work eight hours or did I cross everything off my to-do list, but did I have movement? I mean, you could dance along to the radio for a song or two and you've got your movement. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I really like that sort of designing your day. Um, the, that framework of what are the things that I need in my day to make sure it feels successful? Great. And I can, yeah. I can work toward, you know, meeting those goals. Yeah. One of the things she said that I really like is celebration. So just mm-hmm. like celebrating at least one thing, because it's so easy to just feel like uh, like I didn't get enough done and mm-hmm. uh, like this didn't go well. And but if you really just try and think of one thing that that did go well, like that's that's great. And I, I actually used to have a, a small wins journal. I called it where I would like jot Aww. down just like little things that that I did that went well. Um, and it's really motivating. Well, once I get my bullet journal, I'll make sure to to put one of those pages. I love that idea. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, again, this was just so overwhelmingly great to mm-hmm. see the amount of responses and just another reason why there is so much cool stuff happening in and on and around the Putty Tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have just scratched the surface there. So if you guys want to check out everything that's going on in the Putty Tribe, it's theputtytribe.com. Right, Emily? It is, yep. Yeah. Awesome. And if you we guys want to check this out more and you don't want to wait until the next time Emily joins us, you can head over to theputtytribe.com and check out the community for yourself. And as a thank you, Emily is giving our listeners half off their first month. So use the coupon code Admiral Hopper, all one word, just like our Twitter handle. Well, we are so delighted to have you on the show as always and look forward to continuing our putty corner. (laughs) Thank you so much. This was a blast as always. Awesome. Thanks, Emily. All right. Thanks. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. 
find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what I was thinking about our two-year anniversary and what we wanted to talk about, I kept coming back to this idea of like, what have we learned, right? We've been doing this two years. What have we learned? Mm -hmm. And we've had so many amazing guests. And I think some of the fun um, in particularly like the last six months is really seeing the threads and the insights that carry across multiple guests and and uh-huh. kind of hearing them through different perspectives and like connecting those dots. So yeah. I put out the challenge to you to each come up with sort of five learnings that we have, you know, really pulled together in the last two years um, and just kind of share what are those themes or what are those learnings and a couple of episodes or guests that really drove that point home. Yeah. So if you're in and learning more about that, you know where to go and which episodes to dive into. So shall we give this a try? Let's do it. Awesome. So the first one for me really was around seasonality. Oh, yeah. And this was a theme that we hit on pretty early. I think episode six, The Struggle is Real, was the first time we really talked about this. Mm-hmm. But this idea that some periods of our lives are about widening the aperture and diversifying and really kind of filling, you know, your 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 funnel of projects. And some periods are much more about focus and winnowing down. And this doesn't mean that either of those, you know, states of being are what your career or what your life is going to be like going forward. It just means this is what you need right now. And that kind of remembering that seasons come and go and just like school, like, you know, you you can kind of commit to something for a period and then you can shake it up. Um, and I think the guests that really, I think, demonstrated this so well for me was in episode 67 with Merritt Moore, Physics on Point. And she talked about how she spent a few years at Harvard and then she left college to dance professionally. And then she came back and finished and then she did more dancing professionally. And then she got a PhD in physics Um, and really, you know, and all the time that she was doing one or the other, it really was what she needed at that moment. And there came a time where she said, you know, it's time to go and do the other again. Um, And really kind of checking in with herself, her body, um, and and what she needed, uh, and being willing to make those shifts from one to the other. Um, I think it just reassured me that 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 inner pull that I feel sometimes um, is normal and is something to listen to, not to fight against. 
Yeah, and I think that we've broken this down many times on even a more micro level on the show because a season can be a month at a time in your life. A season can be three months at a time. And there was a time when we were doing the show where I was in a very, very focused season of my life so much that I started to question, am I still a human Venn diagram? Because Mm -hmm. I'm really like focused on one thing right now and really gung ho on it. And the answer is yes, due to seasonality that Mm -hmm. our interests and our skill sets and sometimes just necessities of living will often guide us into very different periods, some very far reaching, some very focused. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I love about seasonality is it has really allowed me to kind of relax about the time of my life that I'm in and trust that if I'm there, it's where I'm supposed to be. Totally. Over to you, Kate. What's one of your learnings? I'd say one of the biggest takeaways from our show is the idea of going after the qualities that you like about doing something, even more than what that thing is itself. And what I mean about that is we've had so many guests say, well, I really found that I enjoyed coding because of this and then mention a quality about coding that they love and then try to find more opportunities to do that thing. So for example, instead of saying, you know, I know I want to be a politician, let's say Mm -hmm. the question to ask is what about politics do I really love? Mm. Is it the connecting with people? Is it the, um, you know, sharing a particular message? Is it the Mm -hmm. day in and day out lifestyle? And, you know, our guests have really inspired me to go deeper in the things that I'm drawn to and Mm. ask myself, why am I drawn to those things? Pull out those qualities. And as we very recently had on the show in episode 82, Adam Hutler mentioned, um, be tactically agnostic, right? About how we get to do those things. That's been such a valuable skill in detaching from outcomes and really focusing on process. Cara DeFrias in episode 52, I really like your how, really honed on that, Um, you know, really discovering the how in her work that really allowed her to be open-minded and do things that she could have never anticipated in her career and Mm -hmm. say yes to those things based on them having certain qualities that really resonated with her. Yeah, very true. Great, Christina, over to you. So I decided in honor of our two-year anniversary to go back and reread Admiral Hopper, The Invention of the Information Age. Oh, um, wonderful. And, well, it's actually Grace Hopper, but, you know, I'm going to call her we Admiral. call her Admiral. Mm-hmm. And um, there were just so many great sections that I was like, oh, I remember why we fell in love with this book. Um, but one of them that I was highlighting furiously was about, you know, the role of the connector in innovation and information flow and how human Venn diagrams are really uniquely positioned to be those connectors. And there's this great quote. It says, in in this environment stepped Hopper as a connector with the ability to operate in a variety of different subcultures, connecting users with programmers and industry executives with senior military officers She translated her computing vision into a language that each of these groups understood, communicating 
complex technology to technically savvy people and non-technical people alike. You know, it really occurred to me that we saw that so clearly in episode four with Emily Grassley and Brain Scooped, where, you know, she was this kind of an outsider to the world of science and natural history museums. She was a painter by, by training, but really came in with this curiosity and the ability to kind of talk and translate between the public and the scientists. I think we see this in all of the great science communicators we've had on the show uh-huh. and how important it is to be able to kind of really translate and and share that information and how valuable it is to be that person at the intersection. I think also of Randy Zuckerberg in episode 25 when we talked about being a portfolio kind of person um, where, you know, she really kind of sat at this intersection of, of marketing at the, kind of the forefront of digital marketing um, and social media and uh, the arts and investing and really got to be that connector as much as, you know, the individual disciplines as well. I'm also reminded of episode three with Danielle Feinberg, where light resides, when she talked about all of the different disciplines on her teams at Pixar and how Mm. they communicate uh, together. And very recently in our last episode, episode 87 with Billy Allman, Nature Be Wild, and where he also talked about communicating across Mm -hmm. different teams and being really connected to the feelings he wanted people to have, uh, how that drives communication for him. I love that. I'm going to file that under skills that you didn't even know were skills, which has been a recurring (laughs) theme on our show. Um, Next, I'd love to shout out this idea of just the freedom of being different, the freedom Mm -hmm. of being weird, the freedom in being an outsider. I'm thinking of episode 56 with Johnny's son, a sense of place where he talked about feeling different and how he was able to really just embrace that um, mm-hmm. and create a whole world uh, as he has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're not following Johnny on Twitter, highly recommend doing so mm-hmm. um, because of feeling different. You know, I mentioned Adam Ward, uh, episode 27, everything is super awesome. Like being really into Lego and figuring mm-hmm. out how to make <laughs> a whole career out of that. So That's true. just, you know, we're continuing to celebrate um, not only that it's okay to be different, but it actually can open you up to just all of these unforeseen possibilities when you ask yourself, okay, I'm into this thing. Well, what are people not doing with that thing? Let's see if Mm -hmm. I can do more of that. That's so true. Before we continue with our episode, we want to give a shout out to one of our fantastic sponsors. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. 
because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist with Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell. So the next thing that I wanted to give a shout out to was this idea of focusing on the problems you want to solve, not necessarily the profession you want to pursue. And it's sort of related to your point of going after the qualities and not the Uh things themselves. But I think this was a big shift for me in my early 20s. um, And I think we've seen it in so many of our guests like Adam Hutler in 82, but also in episode 54 with Aletra Wiedemann. Um, when she was really making the shift from modeling to sustainable farming and foodie culture. Um, and, you know, the the interest she had in biomedicine, vertical farming, led her to a master's degree um, and really wanting to study, you know, how those things intersect and how nourishment and sustainability um, and, you know, medicine you know, where she could play a role in that world that was something slightly different than the role she'd been playing as a model um, and as a storyteller. So I think it's just so interesting that when you understand the problems you want to solve and you're willing to kind of look in a 360 degree, you know, perspective of what are what are the different ways in um, mm-hmm. to solving that problem, it actually gives you so much flexibility in understanding how can I apply my skills, my interests, and, you know, where do I go, especially if I'm feeling stuck in whatever path I'm currently on, um, as long as you've got that focus on the problem and not the solution, you always have a way to shift one way or another. Yeah, what I love about that, that that does feel similar to me of asking yourself what about a thing you love, mm-hmm. is that you are asking yourself a new kind of question. Instead of asking the eternal, I'm just going to say it, tired out question, at least I'm mm-hmm. tired of it, of <laughs> what do I do or what do I want to be? You're asking what problem do I want to solve? What impact do I want to make? What change do I want to put in motion? And just by asking the question, you're allowing yourself to, you know, attract answers that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to if you didn't ask the questions in the first place. Absolutely. My next one is just the celebration of small victories and small leaps. I am just going to confess that up until very recently, and I've been very affected by our show in this way, I was the kind of person who thought if I made a change, it had to be drastic. (laughs) If I, you know, didn't like what I was doing, I had to just drop it and start from scratch with something else. Mm. Uh, Doing the show has really demystified that for me and Mm -hmm. de-glamorized, I would even say, that Mm. idea for me. Um, Someone like Donna 
Sarkar, who we spoke with in episode 59, Fibonacci Sequins, is an example of someone who um, not only did she talk about mitigating your emotional eggs when you work on things by working <laughs> on a lot of different projects at one time, That's but right. she's someone who has, you know, a really fantastic job at Microsoft. She also has this great fashion blog. She is able to do a number of different things at the same time, rather than saying, okay, I have this great job, but I'm interested in fashion. I'm not saying Donna would ever think this, but someone mm-hmm. could say, I'm interested in fashion. Oh, maybe I should just drop this job that I have, right? And mm-hmm. just go throw all of my eggs in this one bucket. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes you know, that may be right for you. I'm not saying that it's not, but I have found that more often than not, our guests have shown me that, you know, you can make small changes and um, start things one piece at a time without like throwing out the whole operation of your life. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Uh, And I also just am going to give a personal shout out to our episode 39 guest, Ross Crane, who happens to be my fiance. (laughs) Um, because he also just brought up, uh, the, as we were just talking about with Emily, he brought up the power of just celebrating those small victories, Mm -hmm. celebrating small things. Um, because we don't really know if something is truly small or if it's going to have a really big impact Mm. later on, you know, that's such a good point. And I'm glad you brought up Donna Sarkar. She actually is one of the people I was thinking about for my next point, which is around failing with purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, she made a great comment when she was on the show about how she sometimes has to fail at something three or four times before she figures it out. And she's just learned that that's part of her process Mm -hmm. and she's okay with it. Right. And she knows she'll get it eventually. And so she doesn't beat herself up too much about failing at it the first time. Mm -hmm. And it also kind of reminded me of, uh, episode 48 with Jason Haheim, a well-documented failure where he, failed at, you know, more than 20 orchestral auditions um, while he was, you know, having this day job as a nanotechnologist going out there trying to become a professional percussionist. And he failed, but he failed in a way where he kept great notes. He tested himself on, you know, incremental improvements and really pushed himself to learn from every single failure so that when he hit on that one audition that worked out at the Metropolitan Opera, he was positioned to go and win, right? And to Ross's point of you don't know what, you know, a a small win or in this case, a small failure might be actually the beginning of something much bigger, Um, you know, being able to appreciate the learning opportunities rather than chalking up those failures to a complete waste of your time and your talent. And oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be anything. Right. And it's being, being disciplined enough to see the learning through the failure um, and to do something with it is I think just so inspirational. I think Jason is another great example of the last point that I was making about taking small leaps bit Mm -hmm. by bit uh, in your pursuit of an interest that you have, right? That's such a good point, right? Because he he talked quite a bit with him about this notion that all of his friends and a, a number of his classmates that were trying to make it as musicians were really kind of you know, going the starving artist route, they were feeling at their wits end. Every audition was like a make it or break it. They weren't sure how much more they could do. 
And, you know, it really took a toll on them. But by going his path, having this day job while being very methodical and and thoughtful about this progress he was making in his music, by the time he succeeded and, you know, got that job at the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra, he was he was the whole person. He he had given himself right the the runway he needed to get the learning in and still be um, you know, himself by the time he got there, right? He wasn't yeah. dragging himself over the finish line about ready to to give up. Yeah, I I love any opportunity on the show to throw out the starving artist thing, mm-hmm. right? That like to do something we need to be kind of in this romanticized starving state. Exactly. And Jason was a great example of that. Mm-hmm. That leads me to another on my list that is if something feels outdated, it probably is. Ooh. So this is a very kind of you could say a basic and simple point to make, but I don't think that simple and profound are mutually exclusive. And that's why it's on my list. I'm reminded of episode 22 with Sydney Skybetter, who we'll be spending some time with soon again, uh, called choreographing the future. And Sid and I really bonded over going through MFA programs where we both learned a lot uh, and then being on the other side of them and saying, hmm, this type of career that I was originally pursuing um, feels a little bit like it may not be existing or thriving in the way that it has for <laughs> yeah. centuries before. So yeah. I'm going to need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And I think that the point that I'm trying to make with with this lesson learned is if you have an instinct that, you know, something that people are telling you just feels like it was for people before you and not for you, just mm-hmm. trust that. Something that I've loved about our show is we often have things named or labeled that felt like instincts. And then we've talked about how just naming them in general mm-hmm. validates them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just say the takeaway there is uh, continue to say, hmm, that might be the way it was done before, mm-hmm. but I'm going to figure out how to do it this way. That's such a good point. And I completely forgot that 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 was even one. Of, there were so many things packed into Sid's episode. I forgot about that entire line of conversation until you brought this up. But mm. there, there's a phrase we use at Bionic called expire your data. Oh, which, which literally just says, you know, all of this sort of best practices or rules that we know to be true um, or things that, you know, you get passed on from one generation to another. Um, those those may have been true up up to this point, but the world is changing so fast and there are so <laughs> many kind of outside forces at play that, you know, what has always been true until today may no longer be. Uh-huh. And so this this notion of like, well, that's just how it is. Um, we say, you know what? Uh, if that was true up until, let's call it 12 months ago, um, but we have no new data that continues to re, you know, reinforce that, um, we need to test that assumption. We need to really uh-huh. check in on that and make sure that's true. If I've seen data from the last 12 months, great. I'll trust you and let's move forward. But uh-huh. if it's if it's older than 12 months at this point, I need to revalidate that because I just don't know that that, that kind of you know best practice or or thing that everyone says is absolutely true still stands. 
I love that so much. It reminds me of the old closet rule, which is if you haven't worn it in a year, mm-hmm. give it away and throw it out. <laughs> it's like the life version of that. <laughs> exactly. So the Christine, last point that I wanted to bring up um, is not so much about kind of philosophies or mindsets, but just a couple of like technology insights that I really mm. just didn't know before we did this show. Yeah. Uh, One of them that we've heard from several guests now, so I'm going to take it as true, um, is that in the world of virtual reality and this new storytelling medium that is coming up, um, it's much more about thinking like theater rather than film. Yeah. And um, I'm super excited about this. And I can't wait to to actually get to see and experience a story told through virtual reality um, in in all of the ways that I love theater. But we've heard it so much that, that I just, I'm like, that, I think that is a thing. Think theater, not film. <laughs> um, but the other one that's sort of the flip side, the one that scares me a little bit, is the idea that you can't trust everything you see even in film, um, that yeah. you know, the, the rise of fake news uh, is going to continue at a rapid pace thanks to machine learning, neural networks, artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we talked about this pretty in depth in episode 62 with Mario Klingemann, our algorithmic art. But this notion that, you know, we've always been able to uh, manipulate found and you know manipulating photos with photoshop and now with uh machine learning we can actually manipulate video to show things that never happened um and that that weirds me out a lot and so i think those are the two big kind of technology takeaways that i've had from listening to all these really great guests Uh, That is so great. The last one that I want to mention is just this overall concept of finding your tribe. And tribe may be a word that appeals to you. It may not be. Mm -hmm. Um, But just the power of people and relationships. And that's something Mm. that can sound daunting if you feel like you are an outsider and there aren't people who are into Mm -hmm. what you are into. But so often when we've asked guests, what advice do you have? Um, They will say, look, try to just find uh, uh, some people somewhere who may be into like one of the things that you're into. In episode 33, when we talked with Butch Rovan, uh, Tech Art and Rock and Roll is the title of that episode. Um, Butch talked about that. And Mm. if, if you find that you have trouble meeting people in your actual life who are into what you're into. We've had guests who have created their own online communities and Mm -hmm. and online relationships. In episode 55, Delicious Machines, another machine learning focused episode at times, Mm -hmm. with Burr Settles, he created an online community uh, of musically minded people. Mm -hmm. That's right. In a big way, I just want to use this point to shout out the the community of human Venn diagrams that we found by Mm. doing this show, right? Mm -hmm. That we didn't even know existed. Christina, when you and I uh, found each other through uh, our friend and the internet combined, Mm -hmm. I would say, Mm -hmm. um, we felt like, oh, there's someone who's kind of weird in the same way as I am. Are there others out there like us? And -hmm. the answer is a resounding yes. Uh, so I just want to share my gratitude for all of you guys who listen to our show and tweet mm-hmm. at us and write to us. Um, please keep it up. Uh, we have our very own human Venn diagram tribe right here and uh, very grateful for it. Here, here. Snaps to that. <laughs> awesome. Well- 
Kate, unbelievably, um, it is time for the lightning round. I don't know where this time goes every single week, but here it is. Uh, It's time to get into five very important questions. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Here we go. Question one. Kate, what are you reading slash listening to right now? Well, I've just picked this book up because it was recommended to me by you, Christina. (laughs) It's called Weird in a World That's Not by Jennifer Romolini, which I think is how you say her last name. And I have to tell you, I'm delighted by this book. It's written in such a great, honest voice with a lot of humor. And one of my favorite things about the book is in the introduction, she's like, read this book however you want to read it. Like, if you're the kind of person who wants to scan through until you get to the parts that look like they apply to you, like, read it that way. (laughs) Don't read it from A to Z, read it however you want. And so it's a book that is really appealing to uh, my human Venn diagram self. And I'm having a great time reading it. That's awesome. Christina, what about you? So I have taken um, some advice from uh, Bill Gates and I picked up a, a new book that came out, Steven Pinker's Enlightenment Now. Um, Bill Gates literally says it's his new favorite book, which seemed like a pretty strong endorsement. And I'm, I'm very just at the beginning of this. It's pretty thick. Um, but it, it basically makes the case that says, I know the world seems scary and, um, complicated and, you know, awful sometimes. Um, (laughs) but actually if you zoom out a little bit and you look at, the advances we've made in healthcare and technology and the standard of living and um, all, of, all of these metrics and you kind of understand the world at a time scale that's greater than just, you know, the last year or five, um, it's sort of like the opposite of expire your data. Look at it from the holistic point of view. Um, we're actually doing so much better than the the generations before us and the eons before that. And uh, the world is getting better and and more awesome and not scarier and more awful. So um, it, it's a nice little antidote when I'm feeling a particular level of anxiety after a day on Twitter. And uh, I'm, I'm loving it. So I'll give you my early Ooh. endorsement a couple chapters in. That is uh, so fantastic. Uh, any kind of positivity that the world is getting yeah. better, I am all about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christina, on that note, yeah. tell me, what was the last thing that you gave a standing ovation to? Oh, well, this one's an easy one. It was, um, you know, very recently uh, there were the Oscars. I'm sure you noticed the traffic in L.A. <laughs> um, and there were two moments in the same evening that I stood up from my couch and gave a standing ovation. One was when Jordan Peele won the best original screenplay for yes. Get Out. Um, that was so exciting. And he should have won for director and movie. That's fine. Um <laughs> Uh, and then the other one, right toward the end, didn't see this one coming. Frances McDormand, when she won Best Actress, um, gave a pretty fiery speech. And at the very end said, I have two words to leave you with, inclusion rider, and then walked off the stage. Yeah. And <laughs> everyone on my Twitter feed was like, inclusion rider? What's that? And I started Googling, no one could find anything. And this like lovely, you know, researcher over at the Annenberg Foundation was like, wait, that's the research I've been working on for however many years that no one knows about. What? Incredible. 
So the inclusion rider is the idea that, you know, stars can put a rider in their contract saying you have to have a certain number uh, of, you know, proportion of women or underrepresented minorities or disabled folks in roles, not just on camera, but behind the camera and in all these different levels of movie making or I'm dropping out. And yep. it, it kind of forces the the uh, financial incentives to be aligned with the societal ones. So there we go. Easy peasy. Yeah. So fantastic. And now, of course, the inclusion writer is like all over Twitter and everywhere. And, you know, ever since Frances McDormand wore a jean jacket to the 2011 Tonys, like she is just like the awards show queen. Like she's just fire. She is like, I am here to make a statement and I love it. Um, Kate, what was the last thing you gave a standing ovation to? Oh, I'm just going to have to say the whole season of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I oh mean... my goodness. Except it's not Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. It's just Queer Eye. Oh, really? The you know, re- I'm yeah, always... one guy that comes out. It's not oh, just that's the Straight right. Guy. Well, I know. And now he's in... Ga- oh, wait. Is that a spoiler? Gosh. It, you know, it's all over Twitter. Guys, it's, it's all over... <laughs> It is so good. I you know, cried every episode. Oh, I know. It, you know what I love about it? And I guess I will forever call it its full title from the original iteration because yeah. I loved the original one so much. Right. And so going into this one, I was like, oh, am I going to enjoy it? But like, it is just so much joy and good intentions and warm heartedness. And it's just... Uh, just such a wonderful warm and fuzzy thing to watch Well, i'll I'll say the couple of men who've joined me and watched a few episodes basically and they're not wrong uh have said you know this is male therapy under the guise of a makeover show and i was like yeah that's right (laughs) i mean every time i watch it i'm like okay what color am i painting uh the accent wall in our bedroom like (laughs) i'm gonna say it's like everybody you're like i already have a therapist i just want to talk about the makeovers that bobby does in the houses oh my gosh no Uh, i'm saying that those are my therapy (laughs) alas amazing um, okay, Kate, question three. If you were a mascot, what animal would you be? Ooh, it would be a gold fly. <laughs> Is that a thing? Can well, flies it, be gold? it's a thing in my world. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever shared with you that my superhero name is Candy Goldflies. Have we ever talked about this? Uh, no. <laughs> so Goldflies is, um, you'll see it on everything I've ever made at the very end. It says Goldflies. Candy Goldflies was a member of my sorority in, in, uh, in college, although Wait, I never knew her. a real her. person? So when I was in college, I got lost in the attic of my sorority house and I found all of these like old yearbook photos. And there was a woman in my sorority in the 70 named Candy Goldflies. And I was like, that's not a real name. So I'm going to make it like my fake superhero name. So I always use it as like my moniker on anything, on everything. And now people give me gifts of like gold flies. Ross gave me this amazing print of a gold fly. Like it's I like a whole I can't believe thing. I've known you for two years. In two years, Christina, this you haven't known about this. It's just a total quirk slash. Uh, yeah. So wow. uh, the name of my fledgling production company is gold flies. Uh, there's a website. It exists on the internet. You can find okay. it. Um, but anyway, a gold fly, Christina, if you were a mascot, what would your animal be? Uh, well, this one's an easy one. I would be a torpedo owl. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with torpedo owls. (laughs) Apparently, uh, I have a tendency when I'm drunk to Google torpedo owls and bring up the images and share them with strangers. I did know this about you. Yeah, there's a chance (laughs) 
that I have told you without my knowing. Um, no, I just, I love Torpedo. If you haven't, okay, you, wherever you are, go to a computer and Google Torpedo Owl and pull it up on, on Google Images. It's an um, amazing you'll, image. You'll see this picture of an owl that is just flying through the air like a torpedo and like clearly has seen something off to the side and and the eyes uh dart over to take a look at what that thing is but oh not the head and it's not slowing down and in no way is it going to distract the owl from its mission but you know the owl is aware and takes note and continues on so I, I have been told that I remind people of a torpedo owl with, with sort of this singular focus and relentless execution. Uh, <laughs> and I have just felt a, a kindred spirit. Um, and now I just love of owls of all kind. I follow many owl accounts on Instagram. And Chaz actually... <laughs> For, for a recent gift, Chaz adopted, I think it was for Valentine's Day, he adopted an owl in Wales um, at a, an owl, like, yes, uh, yes. Place, um, in, in, you know, in my name. And the owl was named Wallace already. And it's a girl. I, Wallace, the girl owl. I saw I this. I saw this on Instagram and honestly the, the photo at first, I thought it was a photo of like a nostril or like a nose. <laughs> it's so zoomed in. I was like, what is Christina posting so, now? I know. So the good but news it's is beautiful. It sent me a whole glossy full color portrait of Wallace and I will take a picture. I will share it with the world. Um, I'm just delighted that Wallace, the female owl in Wales uh, is out there and she is mine and I'm hers. That is so beautiful. Um, what is an upcoming concert or play or art experience that you're really excited about? Oh my gosh. Well, this has already been in New York. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it has just arrived at the Geffen and I'm so excited. A little play called Hamilton? (laughs) No, 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 no. Hamilton has been in LA for quite some time. (laughs) Okay, uh, okay. It's a little play called Sell by Date by Sarah Jones. Oh, the one it's show. so good. Cannot wait to oh. finally see this. I'm such a huge Sarah Jones fan. Okay. She's a woman after my own heart, meaning she does a it's ton like, of characters. Like, three different characters or something. It's I know. She and I are like meant to be BFFs. If we looked at each other's costume and wig closets, I bet it would be very... Like matter <laughs> meets antimatter. It would just be... <laughs> So anyway, I uh, cannot wait to see her rock. In for a treat. I'm jealous that you're going to get to experience this. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my gosh. Tell me, Christina, what over there in New York, where a Broadway happens, <laughs> uh, what are you very excited to see? Well, I mean, there's a handful because, you know, mm-hmm. Mean Girls is opening soon. And there's, there's a lot to choose from. But the one that I am just delighted by, uh, Angels in America, is yes, coming back to Broadway. It's coming back. And um, Chaz and I are doing the double double feature. We're going to see part one, go to dinner, and see part two. It's seven hours of theater in oh, one day. Great. Can't wait. I love Angels in America. Oh my gosh. It is such a classic. It's amazing. And the female director, Marion Elliott, here, here. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. Okay, Kate, bring it home. What is your karaoke standby? Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Stevie Nicks and I have the same vocal range. It always works out well to do something that she's sung. That is a good call. Yeah. My backup is Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield. 
the key change gets a little tough. Yeah, I was going to say that anything with a key change. And, yeah, I know, never... but I've made it. I've made it out to the other side. If Ross and I do karaoke together, uh, we do ironic by a lot of sports. That's so yeah. many answers. Christina, what's your karaoke standby? Um, so, I mean, it's a little bit, it, it depends on the mood, right? Because you, mm. you really have to be up for this. But I just love belting out some Come Away With Me from Nora Jones. That's incredible. I would not have pinned you for a Nora Jones singer. Oh, I love it. She, I mean, her range matches mine. Um, yes. But the thing about, the, the way I've learned to make this song work in a karaoke setting when everyone's a little bit drunk and, and it's a little bit dark, mm-hmm. um, is that you just tell everyone to turn to the person next to them, you know, get enthusiastic consent, and then um, slow dance middle school style. <laughs> while I serenade you. And that usually works, right? Because it makes it participatory. And it's yes. not like crooning to, uh, you know, people that are falling asleep. Um, but there you oh go. Oh, my gosh. Well, it, you know, just to continue our continual shout outs on the show, I am still waiting to do Hamilton karaoke. I just someday. I know you've done it. I'm very jealous. I have <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just need to wrap my shot not alone in, in my car. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to mm-hmm. do it for people. <laughs> I understand. I don't know um, if people want me to do it. But anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other point. <laughs> Oh, well, my goodness. Kate, we have reached the end of yet another CNC episode. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And I want to say happy anniversary to you, Christina, to all of our listeners. <laughs> I want to give a big thanks to Steve, our fantastic yes. producer, oh, our sponsors please. who keep us going. Guys, this is such an awesome ship, and we're just so happy to have everyone on board. <laughs> we are. Thanks for everything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next time. Sounds good. Talk soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, 
and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.